0: To another edition of the Forks Down Podcast, your one stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the guy who is training his son to love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? I'm
1: doing quite well, doing quite well. Uh, Survives another day of work, and. Looking forward to uh, covering some Mariner baseball, even though it was a disappointing series. We'll we'll get through it. Yep.
0: Yeah, I, you know what? I think there was a lot of high points during this last season or last season, this last series. Um, but I, man, we'll we'll get to it. The offense is it just is not great right now. But um, I'm doing well, by the way. You know, oh sorry I should I should, have, I should, ask I should have asked that. That was I, the next thing out of I, my mouth.
1: I promise. I, I promise. I,
0: I knew I I could see you were getting ready to tee it up. <laughs> I'm doing good. Idaho is beautiful today. A little a little too hot for me. It was 60. That's too hot. So, let's go back to 50s. I'll be fine. But Sounds good. <laughs> Before we get into everything, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. Um, if you're a returning listener, welcome back new listeners. Hey, thanks for choosing us at Forkstown. Me and Bo, you know, we're always appreciative of all our listeners. So uh, thanks for choosing us. And hopefully, you know, you, you listen to this episode or you go back and listen to some of the other episodes and you like it and you stick with us. You know, we're just uh, two Mariners fans here that uh, love talking about the Mariners. And uh, yeah, so, you know, welcome. Uh, if you haven't already, Go hit up our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, Search Forks Down Podcast. Um, we're both on there. My wife, Abby, she helps run us or run that. Um, you know, so and if you ever have any uh uh you know things you want to ask us on there or anything, you know, if you got a question for me or Bo, both Bo and I have access to it, you know, um, you know, ask us questions. If there's stuff you want answered on air, ask us. You know, and and we will uh, we'll do it. You know, as we shoot. So, um, don't be afraid, and and you know, let's keep the the conversation going. You know, on social media, if you haven't also already done it, you know, on your podcast listening app, um, go hit like and subscribe. You know, it depends on what uh what app you're using, but you'll get notified of our new episodes dropping. And um, you know, if you hit five stars for us, it'll give us a little more visibility. You know. Um, you know, it's not for our egos. We sit there and, uh, you know, just like talking about the Mariners baseball, regardless of what everyone thinks, wink, wink, but, um, you know, go, uh, go like, and subscribe. You'll get notified. Well, you know, if you hit five stars and leave us a review, you know, you can even leave us five stars and, and say we suck. I, you know, it won't bother us. At least you're getting us more, you know, helping us uh, get more visibility on it. So. Anyways, all that drivel that just came out of my mouth. Take a breath.
1: Take a a breath. Take a breath. Well done. I I, I want to applaud you every (laughs)
0: single time on that. So good job. You know what? It's almost second nature now. (laughs) It just comes out. I don't even think about it. So (laughs) let's get to Mariner's Notes, Bo. You know, before we get to the series, um, you know, last episode, we talked about Andres Munoz and how we thought. He might be targeting somewhere in mid-May. Um, it came out literally after we shot the episode. It, these things happen with impeccable timing. Um it sounds like he's gonna be out longer than we expected, probably until mid-June. Um that's that's no bueno for us.
1: Um, no bueno. Uh so yeah, so he's like a, getting an additional shot, um, a PHP shot for kind of the area that's in his deltoid there. Um, But yeah, no, no bueno. And um, I would say that the bullpens come along this far. So it kind of does feel like, I think a couple weeks ago, maybe there were some spots where we kind of really missed him, but I don't know the bullpen. I feel like gotten it under control more than more recently. So um, still no bueno, but uh, you know, he'll be a nice little bump. I think once he does get back sometime next month.
0: Yeah, and and pitching, especially this last series, pitching has not been the problem. You know, so we're only adding to how good the bullpen's been when Andres Munoz comes back. So hopefully we can continue continue that upward trend. You know, guys like Topa, Spire, you know, guys that we've talked about pretty ad nauseum at this point continue to produce and and be, you know, those shutdown relievers that have that they have been so far this season. And then you're just adding to the firepower when Munoz comes back. So um, get better. Don't you know? Hopefully, they don't they don't rush it, and you know it leads to a more serious injury down the road. So good. Um, another guy we talked about, Dylan Moore. Again, I thought he was on a rehab assignment already, but I guess he's just getting close, week or two away. Then he's going to go out get that rehab assignment started. Um, I'm sure he'll hit up couple of the different minor league teams you know probably everett probably tacoma but it doesn't sound like we're too far away from him
1: yeah it doesn't sound like he'll be yeah it doesn't sound like we're too far away um yeah i do what i do wonder what kind of stretch out he needs because uh you know he didn't really get much of a spring training at all right so i do Mm -hmm. what kind of wonder what kind of ramp up he needs but um Yeah. It'll be a nice addition. I think certainly when he, once he gets back, um, you know, hopefully nothing comes up during that rehab assignment. So um, be a nice little bump that I think this Mariner team needs in some capacity. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. And then a big, big blow, not necessarily to the Mariners major league squad, but um, you know, once a promising prospect, Evan white, um, it was announced. He's undergoing another hip surgery surgery. He's out for three months, you know, at one point during the spring training season, we thought maybe just maybe he would be able to uh, make the roster had a couple, a couple big hits during spring training. But, um, you know, I, I think something like this, it just it's really feeling like it could be the last we see of him on the major league roster. You know, I, I hope. You know, he doesn't get lost in the abyss that is minor league baseball. But um, you know, let's just see if he can come back and get healthy.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, forever hopeful that um Evan White will come back at some point, right? Um mm-hmm. Always good with the glove. You know, I loved watching him during the COVID year. Um and you know, I do just wish the best that we could see him in some way, shape or form. Uh, I'm a little um, pessimistic about him at this point, but um, you know, hopefully he gets healthy and um, you know he gets another chance of somewhere. Yep. yep
0: Well, that's the news and notes we got for today on that. Uh, let's move on to the Rangers series just because I don't know this, again, there was a lot of high points, but this one was a tough pill to swallow. Um, Let's start on Monday's game, 5-8. Mariners lost 1-2. And, again, pitching has not been the problem. Uh, Logan Gilbert came out and really pitched to Jim. Went six perfect innings, had 10 Ks, and he ended up going 6.2 innings and gave up a couple runs towards the end there. But, I mean, he did everything that he was supposed to do to keep this team in the game.
1: Yeah. And I don't know. feels like a broken record at this point where <clears throat> player goes deep into a game and pitches really well. And uh, um, yeah, I think back to Easton McGee start and now you think about, you think about this one and there's been a couple others here and there just like, um, you know, pitching really holds it together and then we just can't, we can't find anything going on the offensive side. I know that, um, I know that in this game, um, like Gilbert was pretty solid on his first pitch strikes. Um, I think there might've been some questions there in the inning that, you know, kind of unraveled for him a little bit. If they left him in a little bit too long. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I kind (laughs) of, the way I feel about that is like, if he's only given up two runs, right. Like, um, I, f- I feel like I don't have a problem hit with him staying in that long. Right. Because your offense should yeah, give absolutely. you more than you know, that right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've again, talked ad nauseum about the bullpen. They did a great job coming in and relief. Trevor got came in, pitched a one in a third inning, only gave up a hit, had two strikeouts. Gabe Spire came in for an inning, gave up nothing, struck out one. So the pitching left us in this ball game but you can't you can't win ball games when the only offense generated, you know, the one run was a Ty France solo home run in the first. You tallied four hits in the whole game. You struck out 13 times yep. in the whole game. Yep. Like that's not going to win you ball games. And it really isn't. When when the best hitter the best hitter of the day, you know, outside of France. France had a home run was Jose Caballero. He had two of the four hits. He went two for three, had a strikeout, had a stolen base. You know, he's in the eight hole. You expect guys like Julio, you expect guys like France, Kelnick, Gino, Cal, Top. that's the top five of the order to get some hits. The only one that generated any offense was France. Julio 0 for 4, Kelnick 0 for 4, Gino 0 for 4, Cal 0 for 4, and they all struck out two, four, six, seven times. So seven of those 13 strikeouts were the top five people in the lineup. That's not going to lead to wins. It's not going to lead to wins. And we had Texas on the ropes. Texas had been scoring six runs a game coming into this game. We gave up as a pitching staff two, zero, and four. We gave up six runs the whole series. Six runs the whole series. The pitching did its job, and offensively, we we sunk, we sunk this series.
1: Yep, no, your uh, your your soapbox rant there is accurate, Rick. Um, I uh, the thing that yeah. frustrates me was in this game in particular, um, on the offensive side of things, um, just how bad it was. John Gray had twenty swings and misses in this game and Mm -hmm. 20 whiffs right and um logan gilbert was the better pitcher on the day and it just we made john gray look good we made uh dane dunning look good in the regular in the other game in the series right so Mm -hmm. it's just uh we kind of make and they're they're decent pitchers don't get me wrong but like we keep making good guy like decent guys look really good and that's super frustrating and Mm -hmm. um i don't know about you in this game um but I felt like when we've talked about it before of where Julio is going to hit. But um, I felt like the biggest spot in this game was the that fifth inning where um, we had a couple runners on, we had some chances, and um, Julio grounded into our double play. Um, you know, one of our trackers yep. there throughout the year. Um, that yep. felt like that I felt like just the, gonna the, that felt like the biggest moment of that game. And um, I think after that, I think. I think we all collectively said it's time to time to move Julio somewhere else. Right. At least for the time being, because it just, it was, mm-hmm. it was super disappointing to watch that all play out like it did. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. um, I I totally agree with you. Team went low for four and runners in scoring position, left five men on base, only five, you know, that should lead to a win, but you know, it didn't. Um, and like you said, one of our trackers, Julio grounds into a double play. And and we're gonna talk about it because it happened within the sec or the second or third game of the series. They did end up moving Julio down. And he's very receptive to getting moved down. You know, he he wants what's best for the team. And I think the biggest critic of Julio was probably his himself. So when Scott went to him, you know, he was completely understanding. You know, even he wants to, you know do well and it's just not happening everyone has that kind of that kind of hump to go over, get over julio's also was at the start of the season last season you know he from april to may he was getting bad calls and just not hitting well and he turned it around um you know he's he's starting to make a habit out of these early uh, season struggles i guess
1: yeah, and um, you know we don't have a whole lot of history on Julio, right? We only have the one season thus far. I guess two seasons now to like really say if he's been tracking this way or um, you know. So I think we'll have to. Uh, I think the jury might still be out. Let's get a couple of years. I would say let's get a couple more seasons before we really can make a strong determination that he's a slow starter. But um, anyways, I still think it's. Uh, I still think Julio's trying too hard. Um, I think he is the the work that keeps getting thrown around is pressing. He's pressing, and I think the the move down the lineup later in the week was the right one to make. So um, yep.
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm gonna send you a text message. Uh, your ladybird just went out the garage. That's fine. Okay, just making sure. Uh 45. Okay. Cut that. i sent you a message. So <clears throat> yeah, absolutely right uh right call to make. Um moving on to Saturday. You know, he still hit in the I, I think this was probably a very big deciding factor. Um was not not Saturday's game. I'm I'm gonna do that every <laughs> time we do this. I meant Tuesday's game. Tuesday's game against Texas. I think this was probably the biggest uh, factor in saying, Hey, it's time to move you down because the Mariners, um, Mariners pitching again, got the shutout. It was a five, nothing shutout. And um, Kirby pitched his heart out. Topa and one ten 10 came in, pitched great. And Julio sat at the top of the lineup in the leadoff spot, went over four. Had three Ks and left two people on base. You know, and I think I think that's finally Scott saying, okay, we got to make a switch. And, and Julio himself, like I said, definitely was like, you know, they asked him in the press conference, ask Scott, you know, what did he say? Very receptive to it, you know? So that's why I think Julio's probably his own biggest critic. He's probably getting inside his own head, you know, not to the effect that probably Kelnick was getting inside his own head. Mm-hmm. But there's something there, and he's got to work it out. Moving down in the order is the best course of action.
1: I think, yeah, moving down. And I think that the difference between him and Kelnick, I felt like is, um, you know, Julio's had some success regardless like, of what, you know, is happening right now. He's had some success in the major leagues <laughs> mm-hmm. over the last year. So I think that's the big thing. And, um, <clears throat> You know, I guess maybe we should anticipate some of this from a 22, you know, year old kid that's just trying to make his way in the majors, right? So, I think mm-hmm. it's I, th- I just I felt I don't know how you're feeling, but like it just it kind of seems like we wanted a big bat this off season. Jared Kelnick has kind of come in and filled in that rule. and like for me, it's just I wish we could just put it all together, right? Because like the offense just mm-hmm. been such a such a struggle at certain points this season, and it just seems like. Inconsistency is the key word there of like not having it all go at the same time right now. And it's like, if we get Julio going with Teoscar and Kelnick at the same time, we're, we're really moving things along there, but it's just, it's hasn't, it hasn't quite come together. I guess that's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing this far.
0: We've seen it. Probably. I could probably count on one hand. Us seeing it kind of come together. I wouldn't say it's been a hundred percent coming together. You know, cause there's always someone in that lineup that's like, Oh, they went over four, but like for the most part, we've probably seen it 85, 90% come together. The, the big comeback win, you know, yep. that was a big one. You know, there's been a couple times throughout the season where the offense picks it up, you know, against, um, you know, I'd have to go look back in my notes. I can't remember. It was against, uh, the angels, Anaheim the Angel series, angels. Yep. Yeah. You know, when it comes together, You know, we're a very good team. Mm. And right now, we are a very good team pitching-wise. Yep. You know, I have no complaints with our pitching right now. And they're looking every bit as good as any team in the league pitching-wise. The offense needs to come through, and and it's just very disappointing that, you know, guys like Teo and and guys like Colton Wong are off-season acquisitions or – are struggling. It's almost a little bit more disappointing that guys like Julio are going through it. Maybe disappointing is not the right word. I don't know. because I want to root for all these guys. Obviously, I'm not. I'm not like head on the on the pike, you know, for any of these guys. I want them all to succeed, and they have the talent to succeed. You know, frustrating would probably be a good way to put it. I guess.
1: Frustrating, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. But uh, let me hop back in. I think to go back on the Tuesday game, st- still thought this was a solid win overall, right? Like mm-hmm. um, Kirby was dominant in this game, um, more fastball heavy in this game, really painting and thought he just did a really good job of kind of stifling the the Rangers offense in this game. Um, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think for me, on top of you know Ty France coming up with a big hit in this game, it was uh, super exciting to see one of your favorite players, Tom Murphy, get his uh, first oh, home absolutely. run of the year, get his first home run of the year. Yep,
0: and he's he's heating up. I guess the question I have with Tom Murphy for you, because I've discussed this with a couple other people, you know, DH has obviously been a very very big black hole for the Mariners, and you know Tom Murphy's only getting starts kind of against lefties, you know, he'll get a, a spot start here and there against the righties. Do you think the Mariners and Scott should pull the trigger and maybe play Tom Murphy at some DH? Like maybe give them some chance against right handers.
1: Um, I would say so. I would say so. I think, um, with, you know, Tom Murphy was the guy that was kind of penciled into the DH role before they brought Pollock on, right? Like he was the guy that, when before we could really take a guess at who everybody was going to be, he was the guy that people said, "Oh yeah, with this Tom Murphy is probably going to be." Um. So, um, <clears throat> we'll see if uh, we'll see if they give him some shots there. You know, he might he might be writing one of the top with him and see if he can, you know, I'd take advantage of a couple uh, left-handers there. I think I don't know how that was going to mm-hmm. exactly play in with AJ Pollock, but I'd be very open to that. Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I. I just don't know what else to do with that DH spot. Um, It's just the Mariners are currently sitting in last production from a DH, you know, and that's, (laughs) I feel like that's kind of been the, the norm for the Mariners. You know, last year we had Jesse Winker quite a bit and Jesse Winker, you know, didn't produce. I, I don't know. I, I'm open to try anything at this one point and, Maybe, like we said a few weeks ago, maybe that means Mike Ford comes up. Hell, give one of our our young guys, give Laz Montez a shot up here. No, I'm just kidding. It's too. Well, early Let's just
1: call Jonathan Classe up at this point. Why? Why? Why do even it, keep him it. there? Just let's just but, see what he's but,
0: got. But do we want? Do we want him only playing DH? Uh, I think his speed would be better suited in the outfield. It.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, you know, offensively, it wasn't. a a great game by any means, but it wasn't a bad game. Ty France, like you said, went two for four, had one run, two RBIs, had a big hit. Kelnick went one for four. Um, Tom Murphy had that big home run, had two runs, two RBIs, went two for three. Sam Agerty even got in a little bit and got a hit, you know, but that's still not a lot of hits. That's two, three, four, five, six hits over the course of nine innings, had nine strikeouts. Um, Two for seven, excuse me, two for seven with runners in scoring position, five left on base. Again, a very, that's a pretty low number for left on base, but these low numbers are meaning that the Mariners aren't getting on base. So Exactly.
1: Yep. Yeah. One of the, one yeah. of the lower and lower teams on base percentage this year thus far. So um yep. not controlling the zone as much as they would like, but anyways, let's go.
0: Yep. Yep. The, the final lines before we move on to Wednesday's game, Final lines for Kirby: seven innings, six hits, nine nine Ks. Didn't walk anyone. Finally, didn't have a walk in a game. I feel like like I feel like every time he has a walk, that you know, an angel cries or something. I think that's how that works. Um, <laughs> Justin Topa came in, gave us an inning strong. Only had a base on balls. Didn't give up any hits. Didn't have any Ks. And then one ten Ten came in, did give up a hit, but had two Ks. Looked good. Looked like he's he met your he's a part of this bullpen with with how solid it's been in the last few weeks. So, uh, moving on to Wednesday's game again, um, you know, like I said, this is the game that that Julio got moved down in the order, ended up getting a hit that day. JP Crawford led off, um, but the Mariners just couldn't pull it together um, by the ninth inning, and it was a three to four loss, meaning Texas took two or three from the Mariners. And uh, this was Luis Castillo's first loss of the season.
1: First loss of the season. And um, yeah, I don't quite know what to make of Castillo, right? Like he, um, it seems like he's had kind of one bad inning, I think in a lot of his starts for the most part. So like the hope.
0: Who's that sounding like from last season?
1: From last season, Robbie Ray. That's
0: That sounds a lot like Robbie Ray from last season. Robbie Ray would, would have six innings in a seven inning game that he pitched. Great. No walks, no hits struck out, but that one bad inning would come and bite him in the blood. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I'm hopeful. I I still think Luis is going to have better. I mean, I think Luis over the whole entire season is going to be better than Robbie Ray still. I think, right. I think that, Oh yeah. um, you know, his his battle ball ball profile on Savant still looks pretty good. So I don't think he's giving up. He's still giving up a little more hard hit balls probably than usual, but I think that's gonna I think that's gonna change a little bit. Um I was looking at his profile a little bit and it does look like his fastball maybe down just a mile or so per hour. Um, but he does kind of look like if you look at his kind of tr- career trajectory, it does look like he is a little bit of a slower starter when it comes to like velocity in the beginning parts of the season. So like I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to Luis kind of really get into a groove. I would say maybe not, maybe not the next star, but maybe a couple, I think the next starts as we move into June after that. Right. Like I think that I think Luis is going to get, I think Luis is going to get hot and he's going to get really get going. And, um, mm-hmm. I think you add that to Gilbert and Kirby and then we're kind of really moving there. But, um, yeah, no, I just, if he could just avoid that big, bad inning and, um, I felt like there was a lot of two strike counts, a lot of three strike counts and I feel like guys are fouling a lot of balls off him as well and just kind of raising that pitch count a lot. So like, mm-hmm. um, there's some things for him to work on and I'm sure that I think he's, he's a guy that I'm really confident that I think as we get into June, he's going to kind of turn it around, I think be the ACE that we anticipated. So, um, sucks that we just couldn't score more runs in the game. So where have you, yeah. where have you heard that before?
0: <laughs> yep yeah he he kept it in the ball game he gave up three runs that's not a bad start giving up three runs you know he kept it in the game only eight hits did give up a home run but he had nine Ks. you know that's a that's a good start i think you know we talk about you know the bullpen being as good as it is and i think the one black spot you know that um it keeps coming up and i just i I know I'm noticing it. And I'm sure everyone else is noticing it. I, 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 went on a couple of different public forums and saw people kind of, um, saying something about it. Is uh, Matt Brash, you know, he's he is striking out a lot of people, but it it feels like Scott's bringing him in in some high leverage situations, and he's he's really not doing well, because, um, you know, he came in after Luis Castillo and and ended up giving up three hits one run, one earned run. And that kind of sealed the game, not sealed the game because the Mariners battled back, but it seems like more and more when we're needing him to come in and give us a spotless inning, he seems to be giving up more and more runs.
1: Um, Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think it's the simple answer is that's the role that um, Andres Munoz is supposed to fill, right? Is the big out high leverage situation guy. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think Matt Brash, I, I think he is that guy right now, right? Like, I, uh, and I think that might just be a comfort thing more than anything else for Scott. Like, um, you know, Scott uses relievers. Um, how can I say it? Like, Scott, like, think about the playoffs last year. Scott was very particular about who he used in the playoffs and who he didn't, right? And I think mm-hmm. that there's potential that Scott just is kind of looking at the numbers and the strikeouts that Matt Brash is getting right now, and the dominance that Matt Brash can be, he probably trusts him the most in those high leverage situations. And, you know, I think, I think that it's comes back to probably like a trust the process, quote unquote, in a way, right. Of like, you know, Matt Brash has some really good strikeout numbers right now. He's, you know, not walking a ton, low home run rate. So like all, everything's there for Matt Brash to be a top tier you know, high leverage guy. And they're just going to kind of keep getting those chances. I think for the time being um, right, wrong, or indifferent, I feel like that's
0: probably what it's going to be until Menunos Nuno's gets
1: back. Yeah.
0: Well, well the question is that your answer then? Like the question would be how much longer is this leash? How many, I'm not saying he's the sole reason that the Mariners are losing games. That's not, not what I'm trying to say. Cause offensively they could pick it up a little bit, but how long before, you know, is it is it until Munoz cuts back? That's his leash. You know, like with Scott, or does Scott in the next couple, you know, times that he goes out and gives up some runs, could he finally make a a switch and change his own mind? I guess.
1: Um, could I mean he probably could change his own mind. I I feel like it's you know a team decision probably between the front office and themselves about who they want to use in those situations. Um. I, honestly, like I've been pretty encouraged with what I've seen out of Gabe Spire recently. So, like maybe there's a couple guys there that you could possibly throw into that situation. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I I would say like if we get a couple real stinkers from Mash Brash, right, where it looks like he's walked a lot or something like that, then I'm pretty sure they'd make a change pretty quickly on that. But um, you know, something like this, his most recent one, where you know he did get to give up a run, um, but he still struck somebody out in this one. Like, I don't know if that's going to be enough to cause alarm there. I think he's going to have to have a couple stinkers and a couple of real kind of bad losses where, you know, the pitching actually loses us the game, I think, for us to kind of,
0: you know, um, throw in the towel on him. Yep. I guess the other uh, question I have on this is you're a stats guy, and is it Babip that shows kind of like a bad luck factor? Not Babip which which stat is that where it kind of shows that he's had some bad luck would that be what matt brash is going through it's just some of it just boils down to bad luck cuz like he said he's not walking a lot of people hmm. and he's striking out a ton so is he just on the is he getting bad luck on where people are hitting it
1: yeah matt brash's bad right now is uh pretty high right so like the balls that are getting hit in play typically you know you can hit more balls in play, like better chance for them also to be outs. Right. But there's, um, I would say a decent chance for those to um, also land into play. Right. And Matt Brash's BABIP is incredibly high right now. So like there's, the teams are getting, I think, fairly lucky against him. Um, And I think the, the big differentiator that the the big thing that's going to note whether or not teams are getting, pretty lucky against him is that his hard hit rate right now if you go to his baseball savant page is uh pretty low right um his uh you know barrel rate against himself against matt is pretty low and when mm-hmm. a map is high and those kind of other factors are pretty low right that's a pretty good indicator that you know somebody's getting lucky against you so um i think that's a i think that's a probably an important point to make about matt brash and like also another reason that they kind of keep giving him, you know, I think more chances. It's just that he's getting pretty unlucky, you know, all the stuff is there for him, you know, limiting hard contact. So they're going to keep giving him mm-hmm. chances unless any of that changes. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, after, after Brash came in and and ended up getting taken out after two thirds of an inning. you brought up Gabe Spire, Gabe Spire came in, went a third of an inning, had a K and then um, it was all kind of gravy for the bullpen after that. Juan 10 came in, an inning pitched, uh, gave up a hit, got out of the inning. Flexen came in, Flexen, you know, 7.77 ERA, came in went one inning pitched, uh, gave up one hit but struck out two, got us out of the eighth inning. And then Seawald came in in the ninth, didn't give up any hits, struck out someone. So the pitching, for the most part, kept us in the game. Now flip it over to the offense and the offense generated four, five, six. They did generate seven hits. Their most hits of the whole series, but struck out 11 and we're only one for three with runners in scoring position left another five men on base. And for you keeping track at home, Gino was our lucky winner on Wednesday, grounding into a double play. There was no grounded into double plays on Tuesday's game, by the way, you know, just, just to keep that going. But, yeah, Gino grounded into a double play. Um, again, they had a chance to come back. Um, Kelnick had a big hit. Uh, I think it was the eighth inning, if I remember correctly. I don't think it was in the ninth. I think it was the eighth. Had a triple. Had a had an RBI. Crawford um, got an RBI at the top. of The lineup went one for three. Had another base on balls. Um, you know, it just it just they couldn't fight to get back into. Uh, the lead there at the end
1: yep and it's uh couldn't fight and um if you're also keeping track at home it's another run one run one run loss for the mariners and that comes to uh i believe it is uh is it four and 11 now on the year in one one games yeah four and 11 um which has historically not really been um you know the mariners mo as i think most mariner fans are aware of um, mm-hmm. so it's just, uh, it's a little discouraging to see us losing those close games and it just seems we have a good offense. I think that's the thing that's like the frustrating part. Right. And, um, you know, I think Tao struck out, uh, three times again in this game. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: uh, and Julio and Tao both batting in the six and seven hole in this game. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just couldn't get anything going. and. um feel like it's just a continuous continuous kind of slog at this point with some of the offensive things that we're seeing so um yeah i don't know i think this one kind of summed up a lot of the series i think summed up a lot of the the challenges that i think the mariners have and you know hopefully things will be able to address kind of going forward
0: yeah you know you brought up you you brought up to and i i saw this stat and it in one since of the word, it's it's really impressive. On the other side of things, it's very depressing. Um, so on the year, he, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I I only remember the stat because I saw it posted. I can't remember if it was MLB on Fox or maybe it was someone from one of the Mariners groups. But Tio has struck out 34 percent of the time this year. That's a high number. But what's more concerning is since May 1st, he struck out 41% of the time. And, you know, that just... I knew coming in, Teal was going to be a, a pretty free swinger. He didn't really fit the mold, and, and I think that's something you brought up in an earlier podcast. That Teal didn't really fit the mold um, for Mariners pitching, or Mariners hitting, just because our guys in the last couple seasons, you know... We got Gino, who's kind of a free swinger, but um, our guys kind of took a lot of pitches, would would draw walks and get on base. And Teal doesn't really do that, you know. He comes in and and you know he's he's not really a true two three outcome player, but you know this season it, it seems like it is. It's either a home run or a strikeout this season for him.
1: Yeah, it does. It does. And um I think some people have pointed out um that Teo had a Teo did not have a good May last year. He had a he really struggled in May last year as well. So I think mm-hmm. that that's an important data point to just to keep in mind, right? Um mm-hmm. I think the May before that in 2021 he was really good, so you know, take that for whatever that's worth, but um yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a struggle right now, and I think it I think it keeps coming back to the word um, uh, pressing or just trying too hard. Right, he's just trying too hard to I think um, put the ball out of the ballpark, which is kind of what Jose, what Jose, which is the reason, which is kind of why Teoscar was brought here. Right, Teoscar was brought here because his exit velocity I think plays well in T Mobile. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, him being a free swinger is that relatively okay. Good thing for us because we need a little bit more of that in that lower part of the order. So, um, it just, uh, we're, we're not seeing it thus far. And, um, again, he, again, he had a, he had, he struggled out of the gate last year. I'm hopeful that this is just a little bit of a phase right now. And it kind of turns around because mm-hmm. he's still hitting the ball pretty hard when he does make contact with it. We've seen it in batches here and there. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm hopeful that he'll be able to to, to kind of turn the corner here. Um, but uh, I guess on that note, right? Um, I may ask you, right? Is this um, is this kind of how are you feeling about Teo? I guess that's what I'm where I want to go first. And then I think the other question on top of that is it's being noted just Mariners the off season acquisitions, right? What is it that with the Mariners and their off season acquisitions that just seem like it's just been a struggle and you i guess i'm most notably talking about colton wong you know in the past you can talk about jesse winker and he was at a big off-season acquisition he just never got it going um you can go back further in the past you can go to sean figgins you can go to scott spezio you can go to a number of historic mariners that were brought on and have had struggles from coming into a mariner uniform and I don't know if I don't know if the tail is part of this, but it just kind of seems like a a litany of people that have kind of had struggles. So what do you make of all that? Is this uh, is tail going to break the mold here? Or is this just something that the Mariners need to address somehow?
0: You know, I don't I think regardless if Teo breaks the mold or not, I, I get where people are very critical of the Mariners off season acquisitions in the past 20 seasons, you know, Um, But I feel like that's not everyone. I think there are people that have broke the mold already. Um, You can argue with me all you want. Robinson Cano was one of the biggest offseason acquisitions the Mariners ever had. And he never really played bad. His production dipped a little bit, especially towards the end of his time with us. But he never played bad. We still had very good production from him. Um, Another guy... Uh, I would argue, and I had it in my mind, was, and you're going to hate this one, maybe Adrian Beltre. Adrian never really played up to probably what we saw with the Dodgers. You know, he's playing, well, it was Safeco then, T-Mobile now, you know. But he still was very productive as a third baseman, you know. And I mentioned this before the show. The guy that I thought was going to flame out as one of the biggest off-season busts ever in a Mariners uniform, exceeded my expectations. Nelly Cruz thought he was going to come in and just strike out a lot and hit 200 and, you know, just be the end of that. But Nelly Cruz came up average 35, 40 home runs a season, you know? So, um, you know, you could say historically that the Mariners have had probably a lot more misses than they have hits, but I wouldn't necessarily say that every one of their off season acquisitions have been bad. Um, I I think there is hope that T.O. can turn it around. You noted his May last season wasn't great. His May before was was all right, but the last May was not great. You know, and it and we're still <laughs> we're still only two months in the season. You know, Pete. Players go through struggles all the time. You know, we're so, we're finally seeing. I can argue that Colton Wong's kind of heating it up. You know, he's coming along. Yeah. He's hitting a lot better, Absolutely. you know, getting some, getting some RBIs. Tom Murphy didn't have a great start to the season. He's hitting up. Maybe we put him at DH, you know, and I'm sure, you know, Tio's going to struggle throughout the season. He's going to turn it around. Julio's in struggle mode right now. He's going to turn it around, you know? So um, I guess to answer your question, yes, I think both these guys, Tio and Wong, are recent off-season acquisitions are going to turn it
1: around and we're, we're already kind of seeing that. Nope. And I, yeah, I mean, I I do, I do. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And, uh, I think, um, we should probably take a walk down memory lane with Mariner acquisitions some other time on another episode when we have a a little bonus content to give, but, Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: I uh, I I agree with you, and I I always thought that Teo was. I think he struck out a little bit more. Maybe didn't walk as much as Nelson Cruz, but I thought from a little bit of a broke ball profile, Teoscar Hernandez did kind of match Nelson Cruz a little bit. So that's maybe another reason why the Mariners brought him in, right? So I think he's going to turn it around. I think he's going to turn it around, and it may not be too maybe the anticipation or the expectation that I think we had, but I think he's still going to be a productive player for us in that, you know, fifth, sixth spot of the order. So, um, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, that's what I'm foreseeing for Teo for the rest of the year. So.
0: You, You know what I noticed, you know, just to go back to, um, you know, one of our earlier podcast episodes for, for those of you that, um, have been listening to us from day one, We did a podcast several months ago. Um, Actually, it wasn't several months. It was probably two and a half, three months ago, where Bo and I kind of gave our um, bold predictions, you know. uh, It wasn't, it wasn't like too bold. Well, one of mine, uh, Bo laughed at me for. I said, uh, my... Boldest prediction was Kelnick was going to get a MVP vote this season. It's who's, looking more who's laughing? More likely, yeah. Who's laughing now? Right? Yeah. Who's laughing see, now? See? Yeah. But uh, I think the more of my sure um, bold predictions was uh, someone outside of Luis Castillo was going to garner a Cy Young vote. Mm-hmm. And the, the person I name dropped was George Kirby. Um, I think we can make a case, at least in the last few weeks that George Kirby Has been the best Mariner starter. And I think if he continues this trend, could garner some Cy Young votes, you know, come the end of the season.
1: Uh, He's 100% trending that way. And uh, I mean, uh, you know, Fangraphs is supportive of your thought process there. And a whole bunch of other sites are thinking that same way. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll be... I think now I think a question that's going to creep in with George Kirby and Logan Gilbert is uh, I mean, I feel like you kind of have to let them go at this point um, regardless of inning counts, just because, you know, you are in a playoff hunt and you expect to get into the playoffs now. So you've got to just kind of put your best pitchers out there. Um, obviously mm-hmm. like, I think because of that, I'll be curious to see how many innings George Kirby ends up with at the end of the season, but He's, uh, he's trending that way, certainly trending that way. And, um, the, the walk to strikeout ratio is elite. I think that's been noted numerous times. And I think that, Mm -hmm. um, I think that on top of that, like his strikeout rate comparatively to like some of the other probably leaders in baseball right now is probably not as high, but I do think that's eventually going to climb. Right. I think a guy that paints as well as he does with the number of pitches that he has, I think that's going to start to climb and I think that's going to add more to your to your case, I think, as his season goes along. Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. George Kirby's always been one of my favorites to pitch and I think even more so this season. Um, you know, obviously I get a very very big case of Felix syndrome when he pitches, because I'm always scared kinda especially recently, about, you know, how the offense is gonna produce for him. Um, you know, I hate having to feel like that, but that's probably one of the big reasons that Felix never played in a playoff game. And that's one of the big reasons that, you know, some can argue that Felix might not make the hall of fame, you know, and I don't want to see George Kirby go down that route, you know, with, with how well he can pinpoint his pitches. He definitely has been one of the bright spots and I think he's just going to continue To become, I mean, eventually he's going to be the ace of the staff. I think, you know, he's got that potential. He's, he's got that potential to be the number one and be one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yep. He's trending that way for sure. For sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, um, both before we get out of here, let's, let's do a quick, um, preview. The Mariners are heading to Detroit. They're going to be playing in Detroit. And, uh, we finally got some probables, that were listed, um, game one, Friday's game. It's going to be started by Marco. He's going up against uh, former Mariner, former tiger before he went back to the tigers, Matthew Boyd. Um, so lefty on lefty matchup, which it's, it's kind of hilarious how many lefty lefty matchups we're seeing this season. I feel like every time Marco goes out, it's against another lefty,
1: mm, yeah, but it's a good point. Yeah. that's funny. Yeah.
0: Uh, um, Saturday's game Bryce Miller versus Alex fado I think that's how you pronounce it and then Sunday's game the the series closer Logan Gilbert takes the out against Joey Wentz. um you know I, I feel like we said this a bunch um especially in the last few weeks that this is a completely winnable series for the Mariners uh
1: winnable series I think the Tigers have the Tigers have I think surprised a little bit this more than what I think a lot of people expected the tigers to be, um, uh, tigers offense is still pretty bad thus far. Um, I think they are kind of waiting on Torkelson and Riley green to pick it up. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, but I'd say the tigers pitching has, I want to say overperformed a little bit, but that's also been primarily driven by Eduardo Rodriguez, who we will not see in this series. So, um, full potential for, you know, at least two out of three in this one, um, hope for a sweep, but we should, uh, we should be taking two out of three in this series. And I think that would push us, uh, back up over 500. So that's the hope there. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, what's, uh, you know, we, we do this every time. What's the one pitching matchup you're kind of looking to watch, you know, is it Bryce Miller's next start or what?
1: Yep. It's still Bryce Miller to me. Um, you know, definitely want to still see uh, how the fastball plays against uh, kind of a underperforming team and underperforming offensive team. I would say a little bit in um, the Tigers. Again, they've made some strides, but that's kind of the one that I'm interested in just to see uh, if he can keep it going. going. Yep.
0: What's the, uh, what's the over under this weekend on uh boneheaded plays by Javi Baez.
1: Um, I will give you three and a half. What, what, what would you classify as a boneheaded
0: play? Oh, not, uh, not remembering how many outs there are when you're on base. Um, uh, bad throws, okay. uh, not running out uh ground ball that he probably could have beat out, um, collisions in the outfield. Um, yeah, you know, just, just all of them. Checkbox, all of them. What what's the over under? Let's go three and a half. Okay, I'm definitely betting the over on that. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well,
1: that's fine. Fine. Do be that way. Talk about talk about an excuse. Talk about like reasons you don't sign huge contracts. Javi Baez might be the poster boy for that kind of going forward. But I digress. I digress. Hey, yeah.
0: hey, you gonna digress on your boy Carlos Carlos Correa who signed. Three different contracts and it's getting booed in Minnesota, correct currently. So uh no comment. No comment. <laughs> no comment. Uh he was a former Astro, so we know how that comment would turn out. So <laughs> that has been our show. That has been forks down. Um, you know. Hopefully the Mariners can get a win this uh this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and come back over five hundred. So Bo, before we get out of here, you got any pearls of wisdom?
1: Um no, I don't. Th- I don't think so. I don't think so.
0: Not this time around. Maybe next time. You know. You know. We need to start marketing this spot right before we get out of here. You, you remember watching Jerry Springer? You know Jerry Springer has his oh, yeah. his Jerry Springer talk at the end. Oh yeah. Maybe you just a diatribe on something. On on just 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 give us a big long winded speech about how Las Montez is going to be the greatest Mariner ever or. Um, you know, Jonathan Classe is going to be better than Julio. Just, just something off the wall. Okay. I
1: like it. I like it. I like it. I'll come up with, I'll come up with something the next time. I like it. Let's do it.
0: Okay. Let's do it, Let's, do it. Let's do it live. Let's do it live. We can't finish that. <laughs> <laughs> for all our listeners in the Puget Sound Pacific Northwest and beyond. Thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forkstown podcast. For Boachism, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys next Tuesday.